people who have a lot of money are always going to want what no one else has. And I think that is where our little sector of, of retail is really going to boom because people deserve something special and we're, we're in a perfect place to give it to them. This is The Safari. The Safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer, brand, and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. So today is the interior design episode. And frankly, I think it's quite fair to keep it in the family. So we are going to introduce you to two incredibly talented people, uh, one of whom is my uh, very wonderful sister-in-law, Elizabeth Pine Singer, who is one of the designers at Macmillan Inc., which is the oldest decorating firm in America. And the other is Max Koenig, who is the leader of the Nina Campbell Corporation, which is Nina Campbell's eponymous brand and business and decorating business out of the UK. Uh, and I grew up with him. He's one of my oldest and closest friends. And so I happen to know, um, you know, two of the, the great businesses within this field. And I thought it was really quite fun to share a conversation with them, with you. And, um, and I think you know we're going to look at the history of that that field and see where it's evolved and changed and and frankly it's it's the uber luxury. I mean, at the end of the day, to be able to hire a decorator to do one's home uh, is sort of le top du top. It, it doesn't get more luxur luxurious than that. And um, hopefully, we will learn a lot about the trade from them, and I'm sure a few trade secrets as well. Stick around. Elizabeth and Max, thank you so much for joining me on the safari. Thanks for having us, Mort. Well, absolutely. And and so where are you both? So Max, you are in somewhere in the British countryside. I am in London. Oh, oh, oh you've come out of you've come out of uh, hibernation. Where are you, Elizabeth? I'm in New York City, of course. I can't call you Elizabeth. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to switch to Lizzie. This is this is outrageous. So, um I'm so excited to do this. I, I very rarely actually have done a duo, and I think it's really, at least of all, a transatlantic duo. And as I mentioned in the introduction, this idea of, of, of focusing on an industry, and indeed, you know, this whole podcast is about traveling around and, and discovering new parts, nooks and crannies of our industry. And you guys represent not only the entire uh, at least on this podcast, uh, the entire home decor, interior design industry, but you also represent uh, the the sort of changing of the guard, the transition from a new generation taking over family businesses or or, or being part of um, the transition into a new way of doing things and seeing 
and experiencing and understanding how the consumer, the the, the young affluent consumer, indeed, um, you know, all luxury consumers today are changing and have shifted, and and you guys are at the forefront of that. And 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 thirdly, on two sides of of the Atlantic, and I'm sure there's there's some uh, overlap, um, but I'm sure there are many differences as well. So um, what I'd love you each to do, and I'll start with Lizzie, um, if you could um, give me or us or the listener a two-minute overview of Macmillan and your history there, and and uh, and then Max, if you would do the same, please. Lizzie? Absolutely. Um, so the firm I work at is called Macmillan Inc., and it is the oldest interior design firm in America. We were founded in 1924 by a woman named Eleanor McMillan Brown. And what she did not want to do was be one of the ladies. So she, one of the ladies, meaning one of the ladies who decorate from their houses and maybe don't charge a proper commission and maybe aren't as disciplined in their trade. And so she opened the firm with a business office, a decorating office, and an interior architect sure office. And so that has been really the crux of our firm since 1924 is we're a full service firm who oversees the architecture, the interior of the space and the decorating and the businesses all goes together. And then it's impossible to separate um, one from the other. Um, Our firm has overseen some of the great commissions of interior design in America, the Ford, Henry Ford, the second test and growth point. Um, Babe Paley's house in uh, Lyford Key and in Jamaica, which I have a picture of that behind me. Um, Margie Merriweather Post, uh, which is now a museum outside of Washington, D.C. And our firm has been through World War II and the Depression and survived all of those periods. And so I think, you know, as my grandmother used to say, we've been in business since 1924. We've never sued and we've never been sued. Um, so we're very proud of that legacy. And do me a favor also, um, because while you have incredible women, uh, in your, in the founder and in your grandmother, your, your mother indeed is a force to be reckoned with an incredible, uh, um, artist and designer and creative. Uh, Spend a little, just 30 seconds on, on the, the mark she's left on the firm because it's been significant. Well, I think when my mother joined Macmillan in 2003, um, she what had happened was my grandmother was a very um, incredible businesswoman. By 2003, she was already 80. And my mother saw this incredible legacy of American design that didn't necessarily have a, fut- a future that she could see because there were no young people working at the firm at the time. Um, There's no new blood. And so my mother decided that she wanted to work at Macmillan. And my grandmother said, are you kidding? Um, you're a writer, you're an artist, that uh, you can't run a business. And um, I, I would say, Morty, thank you. My, my mother is an artist and every interior she does is completely different. Um, and her main emphasis is on art and creating something that nobody has ever seen before. Um, and, and we do butt heads a little bit on, on running a business versus creating a perfect work of art. And in fact, you know, she's been to my client's apartments when the job is finished and she criticizes what I've done in front of them. Um, they'll teach you luckily, to bring her, you got to keep her yeah, home. Exactly. <laughs> and luckily my clients say, you know, there was one, we did a painted design on their foyer floor 
And my client said, I know your mother thinks it looks like a squished bug, but I still love it. You know, so. <laughs> We're um, good. Squish bug. Well, yeah. squish, we'll come back to squish bugs. I and mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. If this client is listening, it's a joke that we have. And it was in. <laughs> It was fine. It was in a magazine. So I think we're all good, we're all but good. that's just, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lizzie. So Max, um, Nina Campbell, uh, equally a force of nature, but explain a little bit about the history of your firm, uh, Nina's um, fingerprints on the industry and, and indeed your role within it now. Well, um, Mort, we're, we're, we're slightly younger. Uh, we're, we've only just uh, celebrated our 50th anniversary last week on the 9th of September, 1971, which wow. was a bit of a shock to us all. But this all, this all great journey of Nina's started back then um, uh, with Mark Burley. Um, it was started, it was Nina Campbell and Mark Burley Limited. And for those who may not in this country know who Mark Burley is, because of, of course, across the pond, he's an absolute, was a giant. Just spend 30 sure, seconds sure. on it. So, so Mark Burley was the founder of Annabelle's Nightclub, uh, Mark's Club, Harry's Bar, and he was really the first person who really allowed people to go out and have real fun again in London and eat delicious food and be surrounded by absolutely stunning interiors in a restaurant and club atmosphere. The story goes that he asked Nina what about something that he had done in one of the clubs, and she said, I, I think that's not very nice. And he said, well, if you think you're so good, why don't you have a go? And that literally was the birth of Nina doing up his clubs and them uh, traveling around the world, really. And they together, they were great travelers. They traveled to Europe and um, uh, he brought over Hermes to London. He um, they, they loved chocolate. So they bought Futron chocolate and bought it over and sold it in their shop in Pimlico Road. Um, they went to... Um, Bernardo and bought all the china and put it in a suitcase and brought it over. They went to Murano and picked up all the glass, put it in a suitcase. And I think the people in Murano thought they were completely barking mad or or had a kind of storage so big in their house and they entertained every night. But, <laughs> you know, that, that was the way it went. And actually, I, I think I'm right. In the clubs, um, Mark had Murano glass. I mean, you didn't drink out of hotel glassware or eat off hotel china you you ate off the absolute finest china and the the best crystals so that's how it started and and then actually mark had to go off and actually run these clubs i guess because they became rather successful yes and in a way that relationship uh, as a working relationship separated and and nina went off on her own and uh, actually some godparents of uh, rita and i's were moving house in Scotland, and that was kind of the first house that Nina decorated. And it, and it went from there. And when Mark and Nina were working together, they found their architect in John Lees, they found their builder in Steve Desborough, they found their curtain maker. And that was the basis of Nina's workers' interiors. And along came um, in, when was it, 1989, along came Peter Osborne and Anthony Little. And the fabric and wallpaper, which had already really been started for about five years, 10 years beforehand, um, they took that on and they brought us over to America um, in 1990. And really, Nina's never looked back since. The, the relationship between America and us as a business is 
I rather sometimes feel we're an American business sitting in London because yes. we have the majority of our, um, or not the majority, but a large percentage of our fabric and wallpaper sales are from the US. A huge amount of our interior design business is done in the US. And um, that has really taken Nina on a, a fabulous journey. And she's traveled around the world, Hong Kong, Jordan, um, New York, all around America, all around Europe, decorating houses and, and the odd boat here and there. Although I, I don't think boats are really our strong point. Um, <laughs> but we, we have made lovely boats, but I don't think they travel very far. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, so let's jump in a little bit to the state of the state of the union, I guess, or the state of the industry, and address a little bit of the the interesting uh, part of the, the the world that you guys occupy. Because ultimately, I mean, notwithstanding the fact that yes, Max, you do have a retail store or stores, and you have made some of your own products, much of it done through through the trade licenses and partnerships. Um, but but in the main, you're acting as an advisor historically uh, to um, people who are redesigning houses and buildings and uh, uh, and clubs and hotels, and as is uh, Macmillan uh, with Lizzie's business. So it is, it is sort of apart from the rest of the retailing industry or the luxury industry. It's not, it doesn't happen at retail. It happens... Uh, in a very exclusive environment, it happens uh, in the um, in the showrooms of these incredible purveyors of exquisite products and fabrics and tassels and dongles and carpets and uh, everything that, um, frankly, is somewhat unknown to the majority of the public. In some ways, I see the world in which you guys live as truly the luxury industry. Uh, you know, I. I, I you know, with all due respect to Chanel and Hermes and all the wonderful LVMHs and carings of the world, what you guys deliver is a finalized product, which is a finished home, which in some cases, the decorating piece alone can be millions of dollars, let alone the cost of the house. I mean, so this is, this is, this is uber luxury. Um, so Lizzie, Looking at uh, looking at the way you have seen the business through the lens of your family for 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 eighty years, uh, through your direct involvement with the firm now, having you know since you left Sotheby's uh, a few years back, um, how do you see that industry? How it how the consumer, how the luxury uh, client, as it were, um, engages with uh, you with your firm? Um, how is it? Um, how has it been historically and how is it maybe today? And then Max, I'd love you to answer the, the same question. Thank you, Morty. And before I start, I just, I do want to say that Macmillan and especially I never do a project without multiple Nina Campbell fabrics. <laughs> that is true. The, I was going to say it, but I thought I'd let you say it. Well done. Yeah, it's true. Every room and my bedroom, which I will have photographed very soon, is an ode to Nina. Cam I mean, the entire room is in one single Nina Campbell fabric. Um, and it's my favorite room in the world. And, and Ollie actually loves it, too. So he, for your information, our bedroom is his happy place. And it's a very good news, Liz. <laughs> we are blanketed in Nina Campbell. Well, um, I'm very pleased to hear that. Same with our living room in Southampton. Um, anyway, Morty, thank you for saying, you know, we are the ultimate luxury. I, I think we are too. And I think it doesn't necessarily have to do with 
the price of everything. Um, but it has to do with it. It's a completely cost. Everything we do is completely custom. And even if, even if we are buying things from, you know, crate and barrel and CB2, which we also do. So it doesn't necessarily have to be completely expensive, but it all goes together. So no decision is made in a vacuum. And I think that's the difference when you are talking about Chanel, you know, you buy one handbag and that's it. The, you know, Chanel doesn't care what you do with that handbag. We have to think of every purchase and how it's going to relate to every other purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the challenge, but that's, it's a challenge for us. And I think for someone who's never had an interior designer, that can be a frustrating um, proposal that we make. You know, they don't understand why we need to start with the architecture first. We can't even start with the furniture. We do, we get the architecture right. And then we get the furniture plan right. And then we choose fabrics and specific pieces of furniture. And that's the way a job is successful. And so a challenge I've had with clients, again, for the first time is that they may, they buy a house and they think it's perfect. Maybe usually that's a sort of a spec house type of thing. And then we decorate it and it still hasn't totally come together because the architecture isn't quite right. And we have that right now, that same experience and we decorated the house and now it's sort of the architectural problems are very glaring. And now we're going backwards and gutting the space and then putting what we bought back into the space. Yeah. 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 So it's a, yeah. So it's a, a holistic view on the finished product. Then you have to, you have to sort of start at the end and, and back your way to today uh, and breaking it down a big problem into many tiny little steps. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Plus having to find all the incredible vendors um, and suppliers and, um, and tradespeople who bring to life um, some of these things, which in some cases, I guess some of these, um, these crafts are, I would say, sadly, you know, a, a dying breed in some, in some areas of, of the industry. Um, and so I think it's wonderful that you guys are able to sort of help keep keep these businesses moving. Maxi, how how do you see it? I mean, the, the, you know, fifty years, eighty years. It's it's sort of, um, in fact, it's probably longer than eighty years. Lizzie, for, forgive me, but anyway, uh, the point is, it's it's a long time. So how do you have you seen it historically, and and how are we seeing it changing? Well, I think I think probably I, I don't know about Lizzie's um, practice, but. I think the most important thing to know about design is there's no rule book. And obviously in architecture there is, but rules are there to be broken. And all you're doing by breaking them is a bit similar to Lizzie's room. You're stripping it back and then putting it back in, in a different kind of style or way. If someone was to say, what did your interior decorator actually give you that doing it yourself didn't give you it's the quality it's the comfort it's the practicality every house that we do and i'm sure lizzie does has to be practical it has to be comfortable and the quality if you're buying it from crate and barrel it can still be right for that purpose it doesn't have to be handmade by some person who's been making carpentry for 50 years um, and so I think, has it changed a lot? Yes, of course it has. But quite often we go back to the basics and then we build from there. And so I like to think if you were to look through the 50 years of interior design at Nina Campbell, there is, 
there are some core values there that are still used today. We're just modifying them. Probably the client would never notice how we're modifying them or the outside world wouldn't. But there are little things as we're working with different factories and different craftsmen and that craftsman's grandfather's passed on to the son and then the son's passed on to his son. Those things are always improving. We'll be right back. I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry. And it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. Back to the safari. And I think, I mean, as you both know, I, I sort of feel that I, I kind of also grew up in, in the interior decorating uh, world because, as, as you both know, my mother, uh, Anne Singer, owned the monogram linen shop uh, and my father was involved with George Spencer. In fact, he was the chairman there. And we always had this debate about... Um, about la, the maison, the, the sort of the, the fingerprints of the house, meaning one of one of your firms or someone's firm, um, versus the desires of the client, uh, sometimes the dreaded client. Um, how how do you both manage, starting with Lizzie, the um, that 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 principle that you have a way of doing things, you have a certain look that you're trying to propagate. Sometimes it's the house. Sometimes it's the actual designer, such as, you know, Lizzie Pine Singer at uh, Macmillan or someone else there. Uh, then there's also maybe a Macmillan view. And then there's the client's view. And sometimes they collide. I'm sure they collide, frankly, quite a lot. Um, how, how, do you, how, how does one approach that, Lizzie? Well, I think as your father often criticizes me, uh, you know, every job we have, we're sort of reinventing the wheel. So I, instead of having a formula, and I think that's something that Macmillan is very good at. All our projects do look different because we listen to the client's aesthetic and taste and their preference for color or some clients like 20th century furniture, some clients like 18th century furniture. So I think in that way, we are very flexible and we listen to our clients. Uh, some clients want a very family-friendly house. Some clients want white carpets everywhere. So that's an easy way for us to shift. And we listen to our clients. And I think the Maison sort of, you know, if you look at our conference room and photos of jobs, they all do look very different. Where I think Macmillan stands out is in the, if I may say so, it's a real, the excellence of execution. We really care. We really take our job seriously. And so for example, we won't do curtains that are skimpy to save the client money. Our curtains are very full. They look beautiful. They're perfectly tailored. They're beautifully made. The client can choose a $100 a yard fabric or a $400 a yard fabric. We don't care about that, but we do care that the curtains are beautifully made. And so a client, when they hire Macmillan has to come, you know, has to sort of be on board with that. We don't care if you, buy a, you know, 
$25,000 light fixture or $1,000 light fixture, but the light fixture needs to be in the right place in the room. Um, and our furniture plan needs to come first. The architecture needs to be right. And the, you know, the proportions need to be correct and all that. But other than that, I think we are all very flexible mm-hmm. and every decorator has a different style within the firm. So, so if I were to summarize what you just said, um, structurally, the house is listened to, but um, when it comes to maybe aesthetic or certain taste levels, you allow yourself to be influenced um, to a certain extent by by the client. Absolutely. And we learn from our clients. I, I learn from from our clients. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a nice relationship. So, and, and Max, you know, when, when I, I remember when we were growing up uh, in, in London, um, Nina would move every uh, every every few years because ultimately she'd buy a new house and she'd do it up and then someone would say I want to buy Nina Campbell's house as is and so you were constantly moving. I remember you know half a dozen houses growing up. So presumably, um, you know, the, the, presumably she she has to kind of maybe do both. Some clients just say, look, you go have at it, Nina, um, and then maybe other times she she sort of. Jenny Flex to the client. How is it in your yeah, in your I company? Mean, I think what I one of the things I think is kind of flattering for us is that we have a we have a client who I was at school with, and we have a client who's doing a chain of um, retirement homes. Um, so we really are from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I guess you, of course, you have to listen to your client, and every client is different. That, that's madness to think that you could just go and tell your client well that's how you're going to have your bedroom and that's it but also you've got to remember your client has chosen you so they obviously like something that you're doing or or that they've seen that you do but I think why I love this industry so much is your clients basically become your friends it's a very social industry and and luxury actually is very social as well going back to whether you're going to a really beautiful shop to buy some clothes, it's a it's a sociable experience. You know, you see women going shopping together. You see going to a delicious restaurant together. It's all luxury is social, and I think a great interior decorators are socially engaged with their client, and therefore there is no you're having this. Do you like that? No, I hate that. And the kind of tug of war of taste going on because. If you relax with somebody and you're kind of socially engaged with them, you get to know their taste. So you know what they're going to like mm-hmm. and you know what's put in front of them. And if they go, oh, I'm not sure I like that, you might say, well, do you, is this more what you would like? I, w- I was a bit worried about that anyway. And so I think those kind of things iron themselves out pretty quickly uh, as you get to know. I, I don't know. I'm sure that's the same case for you, Lizzie. But is the design house a, a one-track-minded design house? No, it isn't. And if it is, it's not going very far, mm-hmm, very soon. Mm-hmm. So two two completely separate questions, one for Lizzie, one for Max. Lizzie, the, the one curious thing I have to ask you is about the role of art in the home. And obviously you were trained at Sotheby's and, and uh, have a deep passion for it. And you have a... Um, uh, you know, almost a, a, an expansive remit uh, as as you know as time goes by, because people are asking you to start thinking about well, if you see a nice painting, uh, will you please buy that for me? I, I trust your taste not only in the home, but frankly, the things going on the walls 
and you happen to know something about it, um, do you see that as something that obviously it's, an, it's happened for you already uh, and it will continue to happen further within your firm, I'm sure, maybe led by you, but but do you think that is sort of an interesting um, morphing of two different industries that also supply um, beautiful things for one's home? I think it is, yes. And I think also, you know, what I think separates me from an art advisor who might not know a client is that I've spent, by the time we're buying art for a client, I've spent two years with them in pretty intense time. So there's a real level of trust between us that already exists. And I also really care when I'm buying clients' art, how it's going to fit into the whole project, whereas I'm jealous of some of my friends who are art dealers or work at Sotheby's and Christie's, they don't care what happens after the painting is sold. All they have to do is advise in the actual work of art and then say goodbye. Um, Whereas I have two parts of the sale is advising on the actual work of art, which I do, I am set up well to do because of my background at Sotheby's and all of my connections of people who I really trust at Sotheby's and Christie's and other dealers. So I think I'm set up for that. And then also I care about whether or not it's going to work in the living room. If there's room above the mantle, if it's going to work above the sofa. Um, And so, yeah, so I think I'm in a good position and it is actually my real passion. And as my clients know, I have one of my very favorite clients will text me on the weekend and say, you know, we, she's been to a dealer who we both work with and she'll ask me my opinion and say, I'm so sorry to bother you on the weekend. And I'll say, please, this is actually my passion. <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, good. So, so sort of a slightly similar question, Max, but I think it's more specific to your business is, is the role of, of the artistry of, of creating product uh, and creating uh, your own pieces of art and some of the furniture that you have made, which is maybe um, you know to be sold at retail or otherwise. Um, how do you how, how do how how does one cross that Rubicon and have to manage a consumer products brand, which is sitting inside of a interior design brand, and maybe it's sort of one and the same at this point. But how, how does how does that come about, and what are the what are the things that you've learned on the way uh, creating your own products and designing them? Yeah, well, I think um, the nice thing about the interior design side is you're only having to deal with selling it to one client at that present moment. When you're going into the consumer brand business like like you're in and when you're advising your clients, you're having to think how many hundreds or thousands of people are going to want this one item. And actually that gets me quite excited because if I'm sitting in my studio with with the girls who work in my studio and Nina and Alice, and we were there this morning and we were talking about new collections of product um, and we had all the designs out on the table and you're suddenly looking at it thinking, well, we're going to make 100 of those and 200 of those or, you know, we've sold 4,000 glasses of this and that it's an exciting thing for a, a a small luxury brand like ours. I mean, we're, we're nowhere near the sizes of, of big multi luxury brands, but it's exciting to know that there are there are th- that many people out there wanting one thing. And, and your mother had it with with monogram linen as well. Um, you know, we we all went to the trade shows. We would all come back. We would design our own product to go with the product that we have bought. Um, that was the product of the maison of the shop. And 
it always gives me a great lift when I know people are buying the product with the Nina Campbell brand, whether it be the fabric, the wallpaper, the glass, the table linen, whatever, over the product that I bought in at Maison d'Objet or Javits Center or something like that, because yep. it it shows that you're doing something right. And I think it it purely comes from confidence of doing it time after time after time. Unfortunately, price is a huge point. It's very heavily price driven. Whereas when we're dealing with our interior design clients, of course it's price driven, but it's a different type of price driven. You know, it's, they, exactly, they want to spend even more. <laughs> yeah, as much as uh, exactly as Lizzie said, you know, you've got to dress the windows properly. You can't skimp on the curtains. I mean, that that's just a basic error. But whoops, it. <laughs> and you've got yeah you, yeah you can't skimp on your dining chairs either Morty remember exactly um, I do remember it was it was very very costly anyway <laughs> but so so I I think um the, the the just to move off into another area because I have so many questions and I can't believe we're already bumping up against time so I'm going to keep going though um I um I'm interested in it's no it's no uh, surprise that during a nearly two year pandemic consumers are very keen on their homes. They are buying places in the country. They are uh, leaving uh, city homes and have bought places elsewhere in different towns. So there's been a lot of activity in not only construction, but in um, home decor and as well um, as well in your industries. Um, so there's two, two questions in one, which is the young consumer, the young rising affluent consumer who has been moving and changing in their lives, um, plus a post-pandemic consumer, how, how are you feeling uh, the trade and the industry as we um, sit today and looking forward for the next five years, Lizzie? Well, I think I remember not necessarily after the pandemic, but when I first started at McMillan in 2009, I think there was a real panic that people didn't want to spend money on their houses anymore. Um, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this business, I'm going into a dead business. This is terrible. And my mother said, "You don't worry about it because people who have a lot of money are always going to want what no one else has. And I think that's true. And I think in people's homes, it's really true. People want an expression of themselves in their homes and they want to be able to, they've worked hard and they have this disposable income now and they want to make their mark and they want to show people that they care about their homes and they're proud and they have beautiful things that are a reflection of themselves. And I think that's a fundamental human desire. And I don't think that that's going to go away. Again, taste may change. But that desire to have what other people can't have, I think, is very strong, personally. Um, and I think people want to show it off and welcome people in their homes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I think that's the fundamental thing. And I think after the pandemic, people are turning more towards their homes. They're, they're entertaining again at home, which I think is amazing. Um, and in terms of the pandemic accelerating our business, I think our big projects we didn't get any more very big projects than we had before the pandemic. That's pretty much been steady business the whole time. I think what really the pandemic did was people who had sort of felt like their houses were finished 
wanted to finish them even more. Mm-hmm. So there was even more buying of things for yes, their home. Stuck Maybe home. they did. They were looking at the ceiling and saying, oh my God, I got to fix that. <laughs> They're never yeah. at home. You know? Fix that, yes. Or we had an attic that we finished, but we never furnished. Now we want to put a bedroom and a bathroom and a media room. So that's where we got a lot more business during yep. the pandemic. Yep, Not yep. so much new projects that was steady. Good, good. Maxi? Um, I think for me, you, you slightly touched on it there. I, I never lived in my house before. And I think that's what's really hit me about all of this is, you know, Monday to Friday, I was never at home. I was on a train going to work and then I was on a train going back to work, had supper, went to bed. So the only room I actually used was the kitchen and the bedroom um, and the bathroom. And that that was it. So for me, I mean, COVID is a terrible thing, obviously. But the idea of what we've been through, if you take that Put COVID to one side and say the idea of what we have been through over the last 18 months of living in your home, actually living in it every day, using every single room. I think it's been an amazing thing for our industry. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously. And you see it continuing? I do think it's continuing. And I'll tell you why. I think basically our children have destroyed our houses over the last 18 months. <laughs> If, yeah, if Lizzie's all, experiencing uh, that right now with a with a, yeah, a walker a guy together, throwing stuff all over the place. We will have to rebuild the house, so that's why it's going to continue. But the acceleration into redecorating the house is everyone is being reeducated is being educated brilliantly now by Instagram, by the magazine world, by AD has gone completely digital. This education is a brilliant thing for our industry. Because certainly in America, for example, everyone has to have an interior decorator to get to our products. So that education to the consumer has then said, right, I now need to go and find an interior decorator to do what I want to do. That engages the conversation to redesign that house. And I think that's been, is going to be a a massive game changer. And people are getting so used to the mobile um, kind of way of reading magazines, especially mm-hmm. in America. It's a way ahead of us in the UK. The thing that I think is extraordinary for us is the gym and the media room are being thrown out and the Zoom room is being put in. Um, and I think that's um, I think that's quite amusing. And I think the Zoom room is, is quite a clear. I mean, we're doing some, some things for clients and it's not just for business and working from home. People aren't traveling to see their family. We're putting in some great things so you can have a, a Zoom conversation with grandparents and children and parents and cousins that actually is, it, you're not staring at a computer screen. You've got great sound, you know, you've got your earbuds and things like that. Yeah, interesting. interesting. I think, design, I think you know, it's a tragedy what's happened, but I think we're, we're going to come out of it and accelerate out of it um, pretty well. So, so as we um, uh, round the horn here to the end, um, I'd love you each, starting with Lizzie, to just give a 30-second overview of what you are excited about, whether it be within your company, whether it be something that's happening within the industry, um, or frankly, in general, uh, potentially. Um, and um, just to, to leave us on a high note. So, Lizzie, over to you. Well, I'm, I'm, I love my job. I have to say, I love coming to work every day. Um, I do, as Max said, clients become friends. Um, I love my favorite part of my job is the teaching process with clients, especially those who have never had decorators and opening up their 
eyes and honestly their hearts and their minds to this great industry, which I really believe in. You touched on it earlier, Morty, the craftspeople that make up the fabric of the city. I mean, why I live in New York is because it, we have the greatest, I think, artists and craftspeople in the world. I really do. And so I love going to work and I love asking their opinion and figuring things out with them. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm excited about the future of this business because I think people do love their homes. And like I said, 10 years ago, I was nervous. And now I feel, I feel really good. And if you look at Moda Operandi and Hermes home, all of these high end luxury brands are also going to home. So they're putting their money there too, Mm -hmm. and their investment there too. And that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Uh, Good for you. And Maxi, you got the last word. Um, I'm very excited about boutique um, retail, actually. I think, um, I think the high street is in real trouble. But I think that the boutique retail experience is going to have a real renaissance. I think that's what people want. I think I'm excited about color coming back into people's lives. Um, we've been living with gray and beige for too long. And um, and I think the, the whole boutique retail experience of, of, of bringing back that craft, bringing back that small one-off bespoke item as lizzie says it's it's all about putting in front of somebody something that not everybody can have and i think that is where our little sector of of retail is really going to boom because people deserve something special and we're, we're in a perfect place to give it to them. guys i'm so excited that you agreed to do this this transatlantic podcast safari uh elizabeth pinesinger Max Koenig, thank you so much for doing the safari with me. Thank you, Morty. Thank you, Morty. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io, where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.